Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Ad News podcast recorded at Forbes Street Studio. I'm Ad News editor Pippa Chambers, and today I'm joined by digital sales director at Seven West Media, James Bays. Hi, James. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, so I want to actually just just get started uh, on your, your thoughts on podcasting, because you did mention on your way in here that you are an investor in Wushka. So uh, t- tell us a bit about that. Why are you such a big fan of podcasting and, and why do you invest in it? I love podcasting. Uh, I've got, uh, I spent 10 years working at Southern Cross Stereo um, many moons ago, which got me really passionate about uh, audio as a medium. Uh, and um, I'm just really passionate about um uh, audio storytelling. I think it's an incredibly intimate, um, uh, incredibly intimate way of telling stories. And I think, um, you know, I love the way that you're able to go really deep on some phenomenally niche subjects um, that uh, that allow you to kind of discover stuff that you might not generally in in um, mainstream media. So, um, so yeah, really, really interested in it. I'm really interested in audio generally and the digitization of audio and the commercialization models around uh, around that. So. Um, yeah, the Wooshka guys, they're a great team. I think they're doing some really interesting stuff. Mm, yeah, and h- how niche do you go? What sort of niche, what podcast are you listening to? Oh, I go really niche. Um, Keep it PG. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, I listen to industry stuff. I'm a, an avid AFL fan, so I um, listen to some uh, some fan podcasts on um, the Carlton fo- Football Club. Unfortunately, I'm a, a Carlton tragic, bottom of the ladder, um, no good. Um, Teachers Pets are like great uh, podcast at the moment. Um, true crime uh, podcast uh, that the Australian has done. Um, uh, Stuff you should know is fantastic. Just if you really want to go really deep on some uh, bizarre, obscure okay. topics that you would never have thought that uh, that you could go deep on. So um, yeah, I love it. Awesome. And you think this passion is? Does that stem from your days in radio? Was it more than more than ten years at Southern Cross Stereo? Yeah, I spent ten years at Southern Cross Stereo. Um, uh, my background originally is in um, ad agencies, uh, traditional digital here in Australia as well as in the UK, and then uh, spent 10 years at, uh, at Southern Cross Stereo doing a range of different things, helped them to set up their um, strategy side of their business many moons ago, worked in integration roles, sales roles, um, just got really passionate about audio, um, and, um, and it's an incredibly personal medium, um, and I think that uh, gets taken to new heights in a podcasting environment. Well, not yeah. I was going to say, not a lot of people leave radio. I feel like you get people that have been, you know, hardcore radio, you know, careers, 20, 30 years. But um, obviously, you broke free and, and, and now you're in TV. Can you tell us a little bit about your role now and what you're doing at Seven? Yeah, well, I'm in TV, but I, I mean, um, I've worked in tr- traditional and digital. Um, and 
you know, my first digital role was in 1998, um, like in the UK, uh, working for Omnicom's first digital agency back then. So I kind of feel like I'm more of a digital native than a radio native or an agency native or, or whatnot, um, even though I did go out and do a, a other things. Um, I spent my last three or four years running the commercial side of Southern Cross Austereo's digital business and, um, you know, felt like I was coming home again a little bit, um, even though I'd been out of pure digital roles for sort of um, 15 years at that stage. Um, so, you know, I'm really passionate about um, changing, uh, you know, um, digital transformation. I'm really passionate about um, the commercial models around that. Um, so I was working very much in that space when I was at SCA. Um, and I think there's some really interesting parallels between the digitization of audio that we were working on when I was at SCA and what we're working through now, uh, now that I'm at seven. Um, so, um, yeah, they're the sort of things that I'm that I'm interested and passionate about. I like change. I get restless mm. very uh, mm. very easily. So, what what are you changing at seven? What are you doing? Look, I think um, you know seven. Um, we are going through uh, a process of um, finalising a tra transaction to exit the um, last piece of the Yahoo Seven joint venture. So that transaction closes in August. Um, uh, a number of years ago, we as a business before my time. Um, made the decision to um, to extract our long-form video content out of that joint venture. Um, and there's been re a really significant investment in product and technology over the last two or three years uh, to prepare the business for that, um, uh, um, both in product, resource, um, human capital, et cetera. Um, I joined the business about six months or so ago uh, to essentially lead the commercial side um, of that um, integration of what was then plus seven um, in market uh, to the launch of seven plus in December of last year. And it's been a pretty um, phenomenal ride since then. Mm, yeah, and who are your kind of right hand, right hand man, woman? Who, who do you kind of work closely with in the business? Uh, so I, I work very, very closely with um, with Kurt Burnett. Um, so I report into Kurt. Um, Kurt's a fantastic leader, um, incredible um, commercial brain, um, uh, knows more about broadcast and television than um, than anybody uh, does <laughs> that I've come across. Um, and also work very closely with um, with Clive Dickens, the chief digital officer in at, in at Seven as well. Uh, Clive and I have worked together in a previous life at, at SCA. Um, so it's a bit like bringing the band back together. Um, but uh, yeah, you know th those guys are fantastic, incredibly supportive of what we're doing, and you know, very, you know, the people side of things is probably one of the things that I'm, you know, most excited about working for the company. Um, we've probably bought into our commercial digital team over the last six or seven months since I joined, around twenty to twenty-five new heads into the company um, at that time. Uh, and it's one of the things I'm most proud of, just the phenomenal talent and people and, um, and attitude and culture that we've been able to build over that period of time. So Is that digital roles? Are these yeah, yeah. And was uh, that hard? Because, you know, we, we constantly hear about talent, you know, the churn and how it's tricky to get certain people with digital expertise. You know, 25 is a lot of people. How, how hard was that? Uh, it's really tricky, particularly if you're um, not prepared to settle. Um, and I'm a massive believer in culture, a massive believer in people. Um, and I wasn't prepared to settle. Uh, and I'm brutally honest with people that we're bringing into the company in terms of the journey that we're on as well. You know, um, prior to joining Seven, I was um, working in a very fast-moving um, startup environment. So um, over a sort of three, three-and-a-half-year period, and there's a, actually a lot in common with that startup experience to what we're building Is that here with Unlocked? Seven. It was, yeah. yeah. 
so there's a lot in common with the way that um, that we built that team and the journey that we went on. Um, it's very much a startup environment, albeit I hate that expression. Um, it's a startup environment inside a bigger business, and um, you know we've been very conscious of bringing people in who um, were up for that fight mm-hmm. and who wanted to make something together and who were um, you know really passionate about building things mm-hmm. and making things. And um, you know we've got a team of people that are really prepared to get their hands dirty and muck in and support each other. And um, you know it's been a pretty um, wild ride. Like for mm-hmm. the last six months, we've still got a long way to go, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, what what are the challenges? What are you kind of working through as a business? What, what's kind of, you know, tough for you right now? Um, look, we've had a phenomenal six months, um, and I'd like to say it's all because of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it really has been remarkable. You know, I joined in November of last year, and as I said, we've hired sort of 25-odd people, and that in itself is a really big challenge. We've also launched um, 7 Plus from scratch uh, as we um, pulled back that video content from um, from Yahoo 7, as I said. Um, and that's been huge and phenomenally successful. You know, we, um, Clive and I, two weeks after I started the business, we had our upfronts um, at the back end of last year and we made what we thought was a, a big audacious claim that we were going to crack um, 3 million users inside the first six months of this year. Um, and pleased to say that we, we did that in April. Um, so to launch the product, to bring the team together, to scale it um, in the way that we have, to have the product performing in the way that it is um, as reliably as it is, is really, really pleasing. And then to have that punctuated just by these phenomenal, incredible major events um, from Rugby League World Cup to Australian Open, Winter Olympics, Commonwealth Games, Super Bowl, um, to do all of those things in a six-month period, um, just, you know, an amazing ride and, um, you know, really fun too. Yeah, and just, just on that topic of the Super Bowl, how you know, how kind of competitive is that in terms of people throwing their hat in the ring for it? You know, do you think we can kind of ham it up and make more of it? You know, obviously we all get it on the office and we all watch it, but, um, you know, how did you kind of find that, that take-up of Super Bowl? From a digital perspective, um, it's just fascinating to watch uh, device usage and um, you know I think it was at 10 or 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning or yeah. something like that you know um, and that's what's so exciting about what we're doing is that you know that previously would not be an occasion or, or a time of day or a week or whatever where people can congregate at scale around an event like that um, but because through 7 plus you could watch it on your phone or you could watch it on your desktop um, you know it, it was um it was fascinating to see how that, those audiences are aggregated at scale because of the, the device proliferation that we've seen. Mm. Um, Do you think you, you can sell off that more for next year? Because I think at the time when we asked questions about, you know, I don't know, was there any ad premiums or anyone doing anything interesting? It was still very much normal day kind of advertising. There wasn't anything. Obviously, it's never going to get to the levels of, uh, you know, the American ads we, we can maybe all hope for in the Super Bowl. But um, do you think it will ever get to that level over here with that, that interest that maybe you'd... Um, possibly. Uh, you know, I think what we do see is um, phenomenal year-on-year growth. You know, um, the events that we do have year-on-year. So if you take, um, uh, you know, Melbourne Cup and Spring Racing Carnival that we have streamed for a number of years, last year I think the streaming numbers for that were up 65% year-on-year as far as minutes streamed and 25-30% as far as um, the number of users streaming. Almost identical results that we saw for Super Bowl. uh, very, very similar results that we saw for, for Australian Open as well. So it's the consistency of the growth that we see. There's not a lot of media that's growing at 65% year mm. on year. Um, and the fact that, that, yes, there's more people streaming and they're streaming for longer just sort of says that, um, you know, this is becoming a normalised behaviour. Um, you know, 
from program to program, we might be saying, you know, 10% of our total viewing is delivered over the internet, but that's growing at 60, 65% a year. So what's 10% this year might be 15 next year. And then what does that become the year after? Um, there's a great study in the US that Nielsen did, um, which was called, um, when does a stream become a river? Um, and I think it's a you know really apt way of describing what we're seeing um, as far as IP video now. So obviously, you know, streaming and digital has been big for you guys. You know, now when you look at the cricket that you've got and you obviously haven't got the streaming and those digital rights, how does that sit with you? And how do you, you know, you've been, I guess, so focused on the streaming and the digital and now you've got this, you know, huge, huge opportunity, this huge sport, but then without the digital rights. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, um, the digital rights are very different for different sports. Um, you know, you look at an event like we've just been through with um, the Commonwealth Games and one of the huge successes that we saw with an event like that was we had 15 or 16 different streams of different events that were um, taking place at the same time. So, you know, the digital rights for that where um, you're giving people the opportunity to consume that event in 15 different ways, uh, um, that's incredibly powerful. Um, you know, cricket's obviously a very different event to that. You know, you've got um, what's taking place <clears throat> pardon me, on, on the field at the time. There's one ball, there's um, very much focus on the pitch um, and what's taking place there. You don't have that kind of um, variety of of, uh, of experience, I suppose, that an event like a Commonwealth Games does. So um, so cricket right, uh, um, digital rights for cricket, very, very different to a multi-sport event or even an event like tennis or um, or, or those sorts of things. Mm. But you'd um, still want them if you could. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the digital guy in the business. So, uh, but look, there's still, a, there's a, there's a hell of a lot that we can still do around digital. Um, you know, uh, we, um, we, we do, we, we don't have streaming rights to the AFL either. Um, but yet we still mm. do some amazing integrations for clients with branded content, social content, um, those, those sorts of things. Um, we've got a really exciting, um, partnership that we've just, uh, Actually, it's probably I can announce it here, um, but we've uh, we've just uh, formalised a relationship with um, Ticketech and and Tiga um, to give us access to their um, sports and entertainment database, um, which allows us to allow our broadcast partners to find and engage with cricket fans across our digital assets um, in a way that they've never been able to do before. So um, there's still a lot of stuff that we can do, and we think we can do some really smart um, digital solutions around digital audiences across um, our. Um, various platforms. Mm, yeah, I think we're increasingly seeing kind of more data partnerships. That's something you're going to, I guess, keep building on. You've kind of got your eyes on any other verticals that you'll be looking to you kind of you know, get, make, make some more deals in. Yeah, look, uh, um, our data. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
better strategy is very much built around a combination of um, first, second, third party data, most li- um, like most people's is. Um, you know, we uh, are rapidly scaling our first party data um, proposition through logged in users across uh, seven plus, And there's some really interesting insights that we get out of that, both from a commercial perspective, as well as what we can use to inform things like commissioning and um, and audio, uh, content recommendations that drive audience engagement, those sorts of things. Um, from a second party data perspective, um, you know, we will uh, tackle key verticals um, uh, over the next um, six, 12 months. Tiga makes a whole heap of sense for us. You know, we have um, the biggest summer sport um, in cricket, the biggest winter sport in AFL, spring racing, NFL that we've just talked about before. So having access to that uh, sports intent and sports interest data is incredibly complementary to um, our broadcast and digital strategy. So that made a whole heap of sense. Um, but then you look at other advertiser categories, things like um, CPG or finance or those sorts of things. So we'll be really selective in terms of the partners that we tie up with. Um, it'll be very much a focus on um, quality over quantity. Um, but uh, yeah, you can expect to see a lot from us in that space over mm. the next little while. Awesome. So I guess kind of looking further at field, uh, you know, obviously some of the rivals and a, a couple of moves and some of the things they'd be doing, I'd like to get your thoughts. So uh, nine, Nine's Love Island and its multi-channel strategy launching that, you know, uh, reality format in Australia on, on a multi-channel. Obviously the success it's had with a catch-up. Um, you know, I know you often all don't like to say too many nice things about each other, but just wanted to get your thoughts on that what you kind of thought of that strategy is it something that you guys would perhaps look to uh yeah i mean i I think it's um you know it's a fascinating case study um i think uh we look not just to competitors in australia for um for work that they're doing but we look um globally and it's not just looking at broadcasters or ott you know or ad funded models we look at everybody i think um you know, I think the only good video strategy is every video strategy. You know, you think about the way that you personally consume, or you know, I can talk for myself here, but you know, I watch live, I watch on demand, I watch time shifted, I watch long form, I watch short form. Some of it I watch on a big screen, some of it I watch on my phone. Um, you know, uh, so we look to everybody for um, for um, for learnings, uh, and I think there's been some. Um, uh, you know, I think Love Island is a, is a is a good example of of that. I think, um, you know, what it sa- what it says to us is, uh, you know, create um, the re- creating the right content for the right screen is the business that we're in. You know, we've got an example ourselves um, where we will be launching um, Yummy Mummies in the second half uh, of this year, which is a seven plus original production um, that went out on broadcast last year. Um, probably didn't deliver the broadcast ratings that we would have hoped it, it did, but it performed phenomenally well for us on 7+. Plus. Uh, so we've gone about recommissioning that as a second season, as a 7 plus original commission. So um, so not all content works on all screens. Mm. Uh, not all content um, for the same audience works on all screens. So right audience, right screen, right content, you know, that's the magic that we're all looking for. Mm. And what about, um, obviously, we're kind of uh, coming up to upfront season in the next few months. You know, a lot of those conversations uh, are going to be happening. How kind of involved are you with the with the upfronts and, and, and conversation, you know, starting to have conversations and, and things like that? And what can we kind of expect? Any any teasers for the upfronts? Yeah, well, look, uh, to answer your question, how involved are we? I mean, we're heavily involved. Um, uh, it's impossible to talk about our broadcast business without talking about our digital business and vice versa. Um, uh, the convergence of the two together 
is happening faster than anybody I think would have imagined. And I think connected TVs are just a really good example of that. Um, you know, and by connected TV, very specifically talking about the big box in your living room that you're connecting up to the internet. Um, that's gone from roughly 10% of our minutes streamed 18 months ago to consistently well over 50% now. Um, is connected TV broadcast? Is it television or is it digital? Um, you know, the, what, what do you say? Uh, I think it's the it's the best of both worlds. Um, you know, it's uh, it brings together the best of um, uh, big screen engagement, um, engaged audiences in the living room with some of the incredible um, targeting capability um, that that comes from digital. So. And I think that's one of the interesting challenges. You know, it's one of its strengths and also one of its challenges as well. It doesn't neatly fit into a box. Mm. Um, but do you think is that where maybe where people struggle? You know, as an industry, we're very much like that's the digital bucket, that's the yeah, TV bucket. Is that absolutely. kind of maybe the the struggle? Yeah, no question, no question. I think um, you know we're inherently programmed as individuals to to try to slot things into boxes. Um, and I think uh, the buy side, like sometimes, you know, um, sometimes likes to fit things into boxes as well. And budgets, when you do channel planning and those sorts of things, um, you know, budgets get allocated into into channels. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets allocated to a digital channel or a broadcast um, channel. But these sort of things, which challenge those traditional paradigms, um, can sometimes. Um, uh, can sometimes struggle in those early days because they don't fit neatly into a box. And um, I think audio went through that same challenge. Like digital mm. audio went through that same challenge. I think it still is to a certain extent. Like is it radio or is it digital? Um, I don't think it's either of them individually. I think it's the best of both. Okay. Um, and I guess on, on on the connected TV front, what what sort of specific trends? Or, you know, how much data are you getting out of this? What 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 can you kind of deduce from the activity that's going on? Um, well, yeah, as I said, I mean, the, the overwhelming thing and the overwhelming observation is just the phenomenal pace of growth. Uh, um, as I said, it's gone from 10% of our overall stream minutes to well in excess of, of 50 now. Um, I think uh, the thing that is going to really unlock the um, the true potential of that is when we get to a point where we have a more effective universal measurement of broadcast and digital video together or connected TV together. Um, you know, being able to optimize reach and frequency, having single view of a user, whether it's broadcast or um, or delivered over IP, um, that's from an advertiser's perspective. I think that's the holy grail. Mm. Um, so, how will that happen? Who's how are we going to make that happen? Well, look, you know, I mean, Oztam is the um, mm. is the gold standard industry me- measurement tool for broadcast, and I think to their credit, they've done some phenomenal work behind the scenes to. Uh, to accelerate our position as an industry um, on a unified um, measurement um, tool. And, you know, I don't think we're as far away um, from that as what some people would uh, suggest. Uh, and I, I think um, I think that's, as I say, I think that's going to be a real catalyst for, um, for commercial adoption and, and for buyers to really um, uh, lean in on connected TV where, I think it's hard to argue that audiences haven't moved faster than advertisers have into this space. I think it's taken a lot of people by surprise how quickly um, connected TV is growing. Um, uh, there are brands and advertisers that um, that have really lent in on that uh, and um, have uh, very clearly taken first mover advantage in that space. Um, but I think the, you know, when we get that universal measurement um, in place, I think that's going to be a real catalyst for, for mass adoption and for, for dollars to move quite aggressively into mm. the space. What sort of time frame would you hope in terms of getting that old lockdown? Yesterday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but as I say, I don't think it's as far away as some people would suggest. This year? I'd like to think so, yeah. Um, okay, and kind of moving on, I guess some of your personal habits, we always like to ask on the podcast, favourite shows, what you subscribe to, what your subscriptions, you know, Netflix, Stan, what, what, what do you subscribe yeah. I watch everything on every screen. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true digital TV. Yeah, no, uh, look, um, I'm a passionate consumer. I watch, I read, I'm, I'm constantly attached to my, to my phone, um, much to my wife's, um, chagrin. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, um, Obviously, number one is Seven Plus. Like, spend hours streaming MKR on, on Seven <laughs> Plus on my connected TV. Home and away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, as I said before, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Um, I fill almost every minute of my day with some kind of uh, some kind of media. Um, even when I've um, when I'm riding my scooter into work, I've got, I'm listening to a podcast or or streaming um, uh, streaming SEN from down in Melbourne so that I can get my fix of, of football content. Right. So. Yeah. And what about the Netflix, the stands, the Foxtel now, you know, all those things as well? Yeah, we're, we're binge watchers, um, uh, my wife and I. So um, she's constantly seeking out, uh, um, uh, constantly seeking out new, new shows. I think, um, uh, is it Stairway? Um, like, oh, I've, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've so not, we're, yeah. we're in the middle of that one yeah. at the moment. So. Right, oh, I'll have to check that mm. out. Um, and I guess moving on more broadly, just a little bit to uh, adverts and, uh, you know, we, we talk about the integration between digital and broadcast. You know, do, do you think uh, we've nailed it yet in terms of giving that brand, that all integration, digital, online, catch-up, broadcast? Because um, I feel like there is a lot of talk about how we're doing it and then kind of I think when you dig into it a little bit the weeds there's a lot of concerns that it's maybe not as consistent or not as uh, as it should be yeah well look we've um, fundamentally redefined what we refer to TV as I mean internally within the business we um, we use TV under the cat cry of, of um, total video um, as I said before you know when we're talking about uh, our all fronts um, it's very hard to extract the two and I think you know, we, particularly when you look back at, um, you know, the major sporting events that we've had, like partners don't buy into these environments because they want to buy into them as a broadcast asset or whatever. They, but they want to buy into them because they want to be part of that journey across every single screen. Um, so, you know, different clients, uh, uh, different cl- clients lean into that harder than others do. Um, but certainly our approach is um, to give clients the ability to be able to um, integrate and access those audiences across every screen. And that's not just owned and operated screens. You know, I mean, we do a huge amount of, um, of branded content, social content um, that we uh, that we build and promote out across um, uh, the likes of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, those sorts of things. Yeah. So it's very much a holistic picture for us. Okay. And speaking of ads, any, any favorite ads, you know, historically, any current ads um, that have kind of peaked your do you think are funny? Like, what kind of stands out to you as a, as a good ad? Um, look, I, I love the major events that um, that, that you have and the storytelling that kind of comes out. So, you know, um, World Cup is, um, uh, you know, World Cup brings out some of the best. Um, you know, this, uh, I think, like, sadly, we're recording this the day after England's been knocked out of the World <laughs> Cup. But, um, you know, there's some, um, you know, some phenomenal creative um, that's come out. There was a, an amazing piece of um, creative, uh, which I saw um, just in the last sort of um, 24, 48 hours. It was a domestic violence um, campaign over in the UK. There's some research that had 
um, had come out that domestic violence, I think, was up that goes up by 35 odd percent um, when football games are on um, because people get frustrated. Um, And, you know, just an incredible um, piece of visual creative um, that tied into that major event that um, had phenomenal contextual relevance and, um, yeah, just a really smart piece of work. Okay, awesome. Uh, and just to finish up, a last question. Uh, if you weren't working in uh, in advertising, uh, what, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd be bored, I can tell you <laughs> that much. Um, I've just had a week's holiday up in uh, in Port Douglas with my wife and daughter, and, um, and I don't switch off very well. <laughs> um, I, I like to be really busy. Uh, um, I... Uh, what I'm did you do at university? What did you? Uh, I did a really boring commerce degree um, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I, f- um, I fell out of that into, I had a friend who was working at nine at the time and he got me in working, uh, this is when media agencies were still within creative agencies. So right. I had my first job in at Cleminger. Um, but um, I-, I love talking to interesting people doing interesting stuff. Um, so, you know, I do a little bit of work with the um, Melbourne Uni Accelerator. Um, I'm just love that kind of stuff um and there's so many like the world is full of people doing fascinating things mm. um and i just love to help people do those sort of things so you know i've that made a few a good job yeah i mean <laughs> I don't I've, know made, what it is, no, I've made a few early stage <laughs> investments in a few things that um that kind of keep me busy and interested in in related fields um yeah uh i i, I like change um i like people people in media that are um disrupting the norm um Yeah, but I get bored and I get restless quickly. (laughs) Okay, well, it's good to know. Uh, Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us on the Ad News Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been great fun. Cheers. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.